Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I just, I guess even this week I was thinking about Seacoast and the next 20 plus years. And so my prayer for Seacoast is that you will continue to love the Grand Strand with compassion, kindness, mercy, and grace. And let's see what the Father wants to do. You guys are so cool. And so there's so much more that the Father wants to grow and do here on the Grand Strand. So let's see that happen. Amen? Amen. Oh man. Wow. <laughs> oh, thank you so much to everyone. Uh, I, just, I do want to say a few things here to people, and I'm going to share a bit out of the, out of the Bible that we love. And, uh, but there are a few of you here who are with us on that first Sunday, and uh, can I see your hands? We were talking. Um, let me see, yeah, back here, the Hurts, back here, Shannon, and I mean, there are a few others here that were in the in that cafeteria at that retreat center 22 years ago, and uh, thank you. I, I want you to know you were original, and now you can be called vintage. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just a complimentary, well, I won't say that. Anyway, that, yeah, thank you so much, all of you, and, and there are three groups of people I do want to say thank you to. One, there are the three G's that are always really, uh, every pastor I think is so grateful for these folks and their church. And the first, and this is no particular order, but is the gatherers. Those are the, those of you who continually invite people to small group, to, who invite people to church, to different outreaches and to Sunday mornings. And you folks, uh, I try to pray for you because I know who you are, most of you, and because I watch who you bring and how you invite people. You guys, thank you. Do you realize that this church could double if everybody brought one person? It could double. I mean, our influence and our impact could double just like that. And some of you have been doing this for 22 years or, or, or for a long time. You've been inviting people, bringing people. So thank you so much to gatherers. Thank you here. And also thank you to the givers. And that is the givers who give their time, uh, their talent and their tithe and their money. You give of yourself. You serve in so many places and, and uh, the ministries of this church and, and like this morning and at All Nations Cafe. Just so many areas. Thank you all who give. And thank you. Indeed, thank you those of you who give financially and uh, do that so well through the years. Uh, you're very... You're just a very kind group, benevolent group of people. And I want to say thank you to all of you who give so much. And I want to say thank you to the third G's, and that is the grace bearers. The grace bearers. That is, you are the folks who, no matter what situation comes along in life or in the church's life, or uh, you bring grace to situations. I mean, maybe a situation... Uh, it feels like it should warrant a lot of skepticism and criticism, but when you show up, you bring grace. 
You bring grace and that brings healing and that brings hope and that brings an expectation of good in the church and in the ministries of the church. And, and thank you for the grace you've extended me all of these years, those of you who have been here. And uh, it's like they say, you, you really know whether it's your church or not whenever the pastor says no to you. Then you'll find out. <laughs> then you'll find out if it's your church or not. And, uh, and so those of you who are grace bearers, those of you who bring the grace of God into relationships, into situations and all, keep bringing that grace. You know, because in Christ, he has poured out his grace abundantly into our hearts. And now it overflows when we talk to others and when we share with others. So thank you, gatherers, givers, and grace bearers. I do want to look at a scripture this morning in your handout. Flip it over. There is the scripture. We're going to have a meal here in just a few minutes. And... Uh, but uh, since I have extra time, I'm going to preach to one. Um, why are y'all laughing? That's well, not funny. Um, now I've had, uh, I've got a lot of weddings back to back here this month. Of, I think it's four weddings and Jay's doing one as well. And, and so one of the scriptures that comes up regularly in weddings is the story of Jesus changing the water into wine at the wedding. Most of you have heard that story, right? You've heard of it? That uh, it was, yeah, Jesus' first miracle. And so I just kind of been ruminating and thinking about that for the last couple of months and just turning it over in my mind and, and in my heart. And so I started digging into this a bit. And I think the Lord, I think his word, I think he has something for us here on our 22nd birthday. I think he has something for us from this passage in the second chapter of John. It's the first 12 verses. And uh, so we'll do like we've been doing uh, a lot here. Can we read the story together? Let's, let's read it together. We'll put it on the screen. You guys ready? Here we go. On the...
Lord, we ask the blessing on your word today. Thank you, God. We take every word in. We put ourselves there in that beautiful setting of that wedding at that time. And Lord, we ask for you to speak to us from that story, from that moment in time that Jesus, his mom, Mary, and his brothers, his family, and his disciples and friends were there. We ask for you, Lord, at this occasion, our celebration today, that you speak to us. We open our hearts. Lord, we pray indeed, come Holy Spirit here. Lord, I pray for your, your gift of teaching for the next few minutes. Help me in my weakness, God. And speak to us, Lord. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your care, your concern, your compassion. Your overwhelming hope for each of us, Lord, wherever we are in life. Your deep caring. Your compassion, Lord. And so today we celebrate you, Lord, and your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. So this story is happening in a little town called Cana. Cana is like an inconsequential place. It's nothing, it's no place that if you went back in history and you tried to find something significant about, you wouldn't. It's just a little village, a little place where Mary and Jesus and friends were invited to a wedding. Now, Weddings back then were a lot different than they are nowadays. Matter of fact, well, maybe not in some cases. Uh, <laughs> but uh, weddings then, like, would take a whole week. You'd celebrate a whole week. And, they, you know, the parents and the groom, especially the groom, would save and save and save lots of money uh, before this could ever occur. Mary probably, maybe, might even have been a host of the wedding. We know she noticed things. She was there. Jesus, the disciples, all obviously were dear friends of whoever was getting married or they wouldn't have been invited. So we're there getting a picture of some friends being invited into a very special time for this family. Interesting note, Mary, did you know in the Gospel of John, she is never mentioned as Mary. Her name is never mentioned, not once. It's mother of Jesus, uh, or woman, you know, that's the way John expresses. I mean, we know who she is, but she's not called Mary in John. Uh, weddings, you know, I don't, back then, it was such a crucial part of life. It was a main celebration of a town, of a village, and, uh, and there was large expenditures. And actually, it was such a real deal that you could blow some of the etiquette you could be in real trouble. You could actually get sued if things didn't work the way they should during a wedding back in this day. And uh, I've done a lot of weddings, and I, I kind of just looked this up on a lark. Do you know what the average cost of a wedding is in South Carolina? Right. $30,000. That is correct. Actually, it's $30,611. But who's counting, <laughs> right? Guess where the cheapest, where you can get married the least expensive? Mississippi, $12,000. So some of you parents who have kids right now are thinking of moving. I know that's exactly what you're doing. Well, I got some news for you too. Those of you who have daughters, well, we have to pay for our daughter's weddings. During this time, it was the groom who had to pay for everything. Let's go back to some tradition, some people are thinking. Let's move back. It could be worse, though. You could live in New York City. 
where it cost $88,000 to get married. That's right. $88,000. Yep, and you know what? You're no more married at 88000 than you are. Since I've been doing this so long, I'm just going to say this. Take that money and pay your student loans off. Take that money. Take that money and buy a house. Pay your credit card down and start your marriage off right with no debt. With no pressure. All right, just saying. I've been, I mean, now throw stones, whatever. That's, you know, been down this road and so. But the culture was very different than ours. It was, uh, it was not just the wedding. It was the whole community celebrating. And, you know, this is uh, honor-shame culture. And that is that if you didn't line up, if you didn't do things just right, you were shamed. And uh, during this period of time, if something went wrong during the wedding, you wouldn't just laugh it off. I mean, it could, it could hold consequences. You could be shamed in the village. You could be sued. You could lose friends. You could be looked down upon for any length of time. And I just love the fact that Jesus was invited to this. And he's standing there with his mom. And some people tend to think Jesus was an antisocial person. That he was like some monk that kind of went off away. But, you know, Matthew eleven nineteen says this. And, and half of this statement is true. The people that said this. Here is a glutton and drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, half of that statement is true about Jesus. Half of it is. But he was not antisocial. Jesus found himself at people, the important parts of people's lives, again and again and again. Now, did he pull away to recharge and be with his father and pray? Absolutely, because you have to do that. And he did. But Jesus was not an antisocial person. He was in the middle of people's lives. He was with them. And also, I mean, the wine running out of the wedding. Don't tell me Jesus isn't interested in the mundane parts of life. I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, God is too busy to listen to my little problem? Or this should not, I shouldn't even pray about this. Why should I even ask God about this? This It's not true. Jesus is interested in every part of our lives. And I think this is a a prime example is the fact that he's there, you know. He's there. He's probably 29, 30 years old. There with his mom whom he's been taking care of. Because Joseph died at some point. We don't know when. But Jesus and his little brothers. And then we're probably taking care of Mary up to this point. They're there at the wedding. And, and I love. I just. I love Mary's response. I mean this is so typical mom. Right? I mean. Jesus. Disciples. If she was a host, she, hostess, she was keeping an eye on what was being served and how much they had. And so she notices the wine is gone. And the literal term there, the little, literal way it said is the wine has failed. Now, she doesn't ask anything of Jesus. Have you ever dropped a hint to someone like that? I mean, here's mom, you know, she's got a son who she thinks is very special, like all moms. And... Uh, you know, she's standing there and, and she notices, she goes, huh, wine's failed. <laughs> you ever done that with somebody? Because you know they can fix the situation, but you just won't come out and ask them, right? You just kind of drop the hint. So moms just does that. She's like, 
You're out of wine. And Jesus, you know, Jesus is smart. He picks up on it. Now, he hasn't done any miracles, but now Mary very well knows there's something special about her son, right? Virgin birth, all of that. But he hasn't done any miracles. He's not done anything amazing yet. So, first thing when I read this story, I started thinking, wonder what she was expecting. Wonder what she was thinking. Because I don't think she had in her mind he was going to change the water to wine. I mean, I just wrote a list of things that occurred to me. I'm like, well, he has his friends there. There are five of the disciples that he's already chosen. You read before this passage in John 2 and John 1, and you'll see that. And so he's got five of his disciples already with him. And she's looking there like, well, my son's you know, got some friends with him. And I'm thinking she's going, you know, he can delegate this out. Well, we know about this crew, right, in delegation. And uh, he, maybe he'll ask them to run and buy some more wine from town. Uh, I don't think anywhere in her heart or mind was turning the water to wine there at all. But she did know he could do something about it because he had been taking care of her all of these years since her husband died. He had been working the family business. He had been taking care. And, and so she probably thought he can, he can solve some problems. I know he can do this. And uh, Jesus' response is really classic and, and curt, you know. He responds with, woman. Uh, and this is not the way we would say it. I do this to my wife. Forgive me a lot. It's, it's a kind of a funny thing we've been doing for almost 50 years. But uh, is I just say, woman, where's my dinner? You know, and, <laughs> and you can imagine the response. Um, <laughs> that's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah. You got two hands. What the heck? You know. <laughs> but that's not what this means. It, it's 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 not a slam, and it's not uh, devaluing her. It's just a term and a phrase that used. He says, "How can this matter? Literally, how can this matter that concerns you be of interest to me?" And then he goes, my hour has not come. Anybody remember when we've heard my hour has come before? Remember before he was crucified? My hour has not come. Not my time, not day, my hour. This is not the moment when people find out who I am and why I'm here. In other words. And if I respond to this in a very overt, obvious way, people are going to know that I've arrived. And I think that's why they call this a sign and not a miracle in this, at this point in the scripture too. And so <clears throat> her response, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is simple to looking at the stewards, then goes, do whatever he tells you. You know, whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. And there's six stone jars there. Stone versus clay. Stone, not porous, at least not like clay, Right. Clay is very porous. It can, you know, it can have bacteria, different things in it. It degrades. And so these are stone jars, which are more pure. The water's uh, purer in it because it was used for cleansing, washing the hands, the feet, and cleansing yourself before a meal or even religiously before you go uh, into some service or whatever. And so Jesus never does anything that doesn't have like layers and layers of meanings to it. He never just haphazardly does anything. There's always something going on. There's a message being preached in his behavior, how he responds, the moment, the time. All of it is just, that's why this, 
reading this can never grow old for us and digging into us because there's so many layers of understanding there. And so he has the water drawn like, you know, it's the stone jars because the purification that was used for purifying and not for, you know, this is going to be pure water. And he says, fill with water, fill these stone pots with water. And then the servants draw a little bit out of this stone water jar that's made for purification, for cleansing, and it's, it's wine. And the, the guy in charge of the catering gets a taste of it. And he goes, most people bring out the best first. Because then our palates are fresh. They're not numbed out by all the cheap wine usually they bring the best out where we can really enjoy this but you're bringing the best out now at this point so I got three things I want to point out that we can take away before we go and eat all right and this is your first fill in that banquet this banquet that we're about to have is a taste of the and you've heard this before already You hear me talk about the already and the not yet of the kingdom. The already is when the kingdom of God, when God gets what he wants, 100% comes to this earth. Jesus taught us to pray what? Your kingdom come. Where? On the earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is his realm where he gets everything he wants 100% of the time. He taught us, Jesus taught us, pray that where God gets everything he wants He will get everything he wants here and now. And so this banquet is called a sign. Not a miracle, but a sign. It's announcing something amazing is happening. Karen and I, when we we travel, when we go from one state to the next, we have this little thing where I stick my hand out and she slaps my hand as we go through the states where we're headed to meetings. And if this is like a sign, like you're driving along, Israel is driving along through their history. And all of a sudden they get to this wedding at this time. And there is a sign like you are leaving. You're leaving the state that you are in. And you are about to enter another state where God gets his way in Jesus Christ. So this is a sign. This is a picture of the kingdom to come. This banquet. The Messiah has arrived. The old is passing away. The old worn out Judaism. The old worn out having to measure up. But never being able to measure up. Is passing away. And now something new. And something better. And something more beautiful. Is taking its place. The Messiah has arrived. Every time we sit down to a meal, those of us who are Jesus followers, we never just sit down to a meal. Every time you sit with someone and you have a meal with someone, it's a moment of the already. Like one day, one day I'm going to sit down at that great big table in the kingdom of God with everyone where there won't be any more hungry, there won't be any more thirsty, there won't be any more hurting, any more lonely, no more orphans. None of that. One day. And so when we sit with each other in just a few minutes. And you look across that table. You're looking at a sign. The kingdom has come. A bit of the already. We know it's the not yet. We don't see it in fullness. We live between the ages. Between Jesus' first coming. His second coming. But we're taught to pray. Bring it Lord. Bring it now. Let us see it. And we can see that with each other at the table. 
you know, the Last Supper. Why does the Bible mention so much eating? You know, Matthew 26 is the Last Supper. Uh, the meal on the beach, one of my favorite stories. Post-resurrection, John 21. 21st chapter of John, we have a picture of Jesus on the beach. Beach! You know, he's on the beach and he's cooking fish. And he asked those guys, bring some of your fish and cook it with some of my fish. Come to the table, the kingdom table where God makes everything new. This is the picture of the kingdom coming. Come on up to the beach, boys. Bring a little of what you have and I'm bringing what I have. And we're going to sit at the table together and we'll get a taste of what it's going to be like. When everything becomes new once and for all. We can experience that now. We can get a taste of it. Right now. In the here. And now. The road to Emmaus. The, walk, the road where the disciple, a couple of disciples are walking along. And remember the stranger joins them in Luke 24. And they're talking. And a guy says, what's going on? The stranger does. And, and the disciples go, well, you haven't heard about this? Jesus, this guy, Jesus, you haven't heard? You know, like they, he rose, they say he rose from the grave. Uh, and they, I was like, wow, really? You know, and they're walking along. It gets near evening and the stranger gets ready to, you know, depart off. And the, the disciples there are talking, say, no, man, why don't you stick with us? We enjoy the conversation. Let's, let's pull into this inn and let's. Let's enjoy an evening and a meal together. They sit down to a meal and what happens? The minute they start to eat, they see that the stranger is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. There is no ordinary meals. There are no ordinary meals for us. For us Jesus followers. Every time we sit at the table with one another, every time we break bread, every time we look across the table in each other's eyes, we are seeing a miracle. And we are seeing someone Jesus gave his life for and redeemed and said, one day I'm going to make every bit of it brand new. But for right now, get a taste of it. Get a taste of the laughter and the love and get a taste of the acceptance and the feeling of not only having your belly full, but having your emotions full and having your friendship full with someone else. The kingdom comes and they're already in our meals. And then the wedding. I mean Matthew 22. I mean the description of the Jesus coming back is what? A wedding banquet. Right? I mean, we're going to go out there and celebrate a wedding. Hours. With Jesus. In just a few minutes. With each other. Food. Breaking the bread. Covenant with one another. Jesus. We get a taste of the already. Now here in this place that is so broken. In this place that is not yet. We can see some of the already. There are no ordinary meals. That banquet then that put the sign up that said you're leaving this. And you're headed into a new territory. Is what we're about to experience as well. This banquet, that banquet is a taste of the already. Secondly, they took the, the water you know, and poured it into stone pots. That was like 150, 120 to 150 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. Man. And it's good wine. Not rock and roll, great wine. You know, whatever. Thunder, my day of Thunderbird, rock and roll. <laughs> Mad dog, whatever, you know. I mean, sorry, I'm showing my age. And also, I didn't have any money. Uh, <laughs> But this was not that. This wasn't getting by because when the kingdom comes, you don't get by. This was all about excess. 
It was about extravagance because when the kingdom, when the king comes and he brings his kingdom, there's more than enough. There's more than enough love. There's more than enough forgiveness. There's more than enough fellowship. There's more than enough healing. There's more than enough love. And in this wine was a picture of the life of Jesus Christ that is now broken onto the scene. And things would never be the same after this. These vessels, the vessels of purification. This is your second fill-in. I'll go right on past it. The vessels of purification can now be used for celebration. You get this? What used to be used to have to wash and scrub all the time to get your sins washed away with, that purification now has been turned into celebration. No more is there just constant washing, 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 washing. I can't get clean enough before my God. No, you can't. Now you have new wine where God puts his spirit in your heart. Ezekiel, and then he changes your stone heart to a fleshly heart and he puts in you and he moves in you through his presence to obey out of joy. Not of having to be cleansed all the time and washed and no, God help me. You know, it's God help me. God helps me. God helps me. Wow. The wine is alive. It's good wine. It's bubbling up in our soul. It's giving us life. It gives us hope in the midst of despair and challenges and loss. It's good wine. And so they dip it in and they pour it out and they give it to the, to the guy who's in charge of the meal and all of this. And he's like, wow, this is fantastic. You know, the kingdom to come has been prophesied all through the Old Testament and Hosea and Amos and, and all, all the Old Testament prophets. And many times when you read about the kingdom coming in fullness, it, it talks about there being endless wine that you cannot drink it all up. That the joy of the Lord is continuous and the presence of God is continuous. What used to be what used to be our travailing before God to be cleansed has now become our celebration of we have finally been cleansed by a good Savior who has put his spirit in us, bubbling up in us to cleanse us and to move us to obey him. Somebody should shout me down. Right now. Come on now. I mean, that, you know. That's not good, bro. That's, that was not a good amen. No. That's right. It's a celebration. Look, you wouldn't be doing that if you had four or five cups of good wine. You'd be like, whoo, oh, man. Whoo, that's a bad, oh, man, what? Mm. Yeah, that's right. So these vessels of purification can now be used for celebration. Instead of being under the heavy load of sin and of guilt and of shame, now the new wine of Jesus Christ has come to fill us up with celebration, to cleanse us, to free us to be what God has called us to be. Amen. There's your sign. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And look at the, look at the host or the caterer's comment. He says, you know, you, this is your last feeling, you have saved the best till now. You know, there's a saying that runs around in churches, the best is yet to come. The only problem with that is it's always yet to come. I actually hate that saying. I do. I, every first time I heard it, I went, what? If you keep saying that, it never gets here. 
Right? Well, brother, best is yet to come, you know. Yeah, well, I want a little taste now. How about that? That's, this is not what he says. He doesn't say, hey, you've saved the best. It's yet to come. What does he say? You've saved the best till when? Now. In the present. Right now. Here. In this place. In this moment. Jesus Christ alive. The new wine poured out for us. A little bit of the already in the present right now. Right now. I mean right now. Not later. Now. I know there's going to be great later. All right. I know that the kingdom when it's when I'm in it and it's full and it's yeah, I know that's going to be great. But we can have some of it right now. Right now. The best wasn't in 1997 when we started this thing, and it was good. The best wasn't 10 years ago, wasn't five years ago. The best is right now. Because that fresh, beautiful wine of the Holy Spirit is still in those pots and ready to be drank, to take in, to experience the beautiful forgiveness of Christ. And to experience his presence now. Not just later. But now. I love this church. I love what God has done. I love you people. You guys are wonderful. Wonderful folks. We have an important part to play. I feel like in our community. And from here. You know we support. Missionaries that are getting the work done. We don't support anybody that I don't know, personally. And so we sow into people that we know are getting the work done. We pray for our city, our J-1 program, all nations, our children back in the back, our arts camp, our small groups, those of you on your job who pray for people, who realize that God can heal someone through you. He can touch someone through you just like he can anybody, anywhere, anytime. That is our mission in the vineyard, to realize that God has invested in us this new wine, each and every one of us. And when we leave this place and we go out, we carry the kingdom with us. We go. And we go and we're a part of what God is doing and joining him. We are the city on the hill. That is the church. We got the lights on. The doors are open. People are celebrating. And there's always room at the table for one more. Always. Let me ask you this as the band comes back up. Uh, what expectation do you have? What expectation do you have that requires a savior? What in your life, what need in your life what hope do you have that it will not come true without a Savior? Think about it for a minute. What in life are you anticipating that only a Savior can satisfy? And then this question. Are you willing... For that expectation, that anticipation to be satisfied, but in a way that is unanticipated.
Do you get this? Like if God, only a Savior could do this for me. And maybe you have your way of thinking the way it's going to be met. But are you willing to say to that Savior, ever how you want to meet this need, Lord? I'm willing to say, come and do it. Come and do it. So Lord, on this 22nd birthday of this beautiful church that is yours, I pray that you move through this auditorium now. And if there's any person here who has not experienced your grace and your forgiveness, that you would just sweep in, Lord, and make known your great love for them as they surrender to you, Lord, in anticipation of your moving in their life. And I want to ask you while we're praying, if that's you today, would you let me know and say, that's me, Tim. I've opened my heart up to a beautiful Savior this morning. I've surrendered to him. Just let me know so I can pray for you. Come, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Sweep in now, Lord. Sweep in. Come, Lord. Come like you've done to so many of us. Make yourself known. wine is alive it can be tasted it can be felt bring your new wine into those lives that just surrender Lord to you come Jesus come Jesus come Jesus just keep praying here just a moment There's some of you in here that you're not an orphan, but you sure feel like one. <laughs> Come on home. <laughs> Come on to Jesus. Come on for the glory, for what was set before him, which was you, is why he went to the cross. That's why he went there to bring you home to him. Dear orphan spirit, those of you who feel so outside, we just swing the doors open now. Say, come home. Flood their hearts with your love. Jesus, we want to celebrate you. Oh, great friend, Savior, Lord God first and the last, author, finisher of our faith, our brother, our elder brother. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. 
You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.